Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of Slotkin and Fisher at the Theatre. Uh, I'm your host, Tom McGee. With me, as always, are Toronto Theatre critics Lynn Slotkin and Steve Fisher. Hey, guys. Welcome. Hey, Tom. Welcome okay. back. And listeners. Uh, to, uh, so this is part two of our Next Stage Theatre coverage, uh, which is very exciting. Uh, as always, uh, on the show, uh, Lynn and Steve bring their compatible but contradictory styles together to discuss the latest shows hitting the Toronto stage. So thanks very much for joining us. Lynn and I can say anything we want about any of these shows. We are not theater creators, but Tom is. Yeah. So in a, these discussions about shows, Tom will resolutely have no opinion about the shows himself. He is a neutral Switzerland. <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah, that's actually on my business card. Tom yeah. neutral Switzerland. Do you have chocolate here? Tell yeah, you know what? It melted ah, in my bag. I've been in heat all day. Never mind. And as always, thank you to our very generous patron, uh, Brick and Mortar, who is bringing us all this delightful coverage. So thank you to you guys. All right. So let's get underway. Um, so where we last left off in our last episode, we were discussing the antechamber shows at the Next Stage Theater Festival. So uh, to kick things off, we are going to be talking about Layla Live by Laugh with Layla Productions. So, uh, Steve, why don't you... Let us know what you thought. Yes, right. So um, in the first podcast, we talked about the first the chamber shows, uh, the surprise, which I described as a diversion. Uh, Layla Live is a little bit more than that. It's a cabaret uh, written and performed by Layla. Uh, there is a performer, but in the program, it is credited, written and performed by Layla and directed by Layla's mother. So Layla is who we'll be discussing here. Uh, Layla gets a chance to uh, tell a story about an interaction on uh, Instagram and via social media with a fellow social media aficionado who is of considerably higher status than Layla is and how that experience goes down and how Layla's um, interactions with people on social media uh, are colored by Layla's experiences as an immigrant and uh, as someone with uh, dreams of stardom in... uh, Canada, and uh, it's I, I enjoyed it quite a lot. Um, Layla's Layla, there's some fun audience interaction. Uh, some people are brought up. There's the story. The actual story is charming and funny, and uh, a little bit scathing in a in a very sly way. And um, yeah, I, I would recommend this uh, this antechamber show. Rip and Lynn, what did you think? I liked it a lot. Uh, Layla is. Uh, um, a, a, a person of Persian descent. She, she quote unquote, she has a full head covering. She is dressed in a flowery kind of pantsuit, and she has a wonderfully well attended beard. And so, um, and I mean that as facial hair, not as somebody who's covering for something else. So, Layla comes out into the uh, in, into the line, waiting in the tent takes selfies with various people oh. mar- mar- you know, uh, moves her way through the through the line the the um, pretext I guess is that she was locked out of the theater and so she is now chatting up the audience and so we all follow her upstairs to the antechamber she's fascinating she's charming impish really impish and as Steve said, a little bit scathing in some air, in some ways, talks about Persian culture, which is quite wonderful, mm. saying that 
Canadians don't understand that you have to keep on asking a person, would you like a lift home? Would you like a lift home? Would you like some food? Have some food. Have some food. And they consider that a person of Persian culture would consistently refuse. So Layla says, so many immigrants are left hungry and without a ride to get home by Canadians. So I love that little insight, even though it was funny. I believe it's true. There's very clever pieces of business of a person being given a gift and taking it back and giving a gift and taking it back. I thought it was done well. She is charming. She looks you straight in the eye. She flirted with some guy in the front row and said, are you a Persian? And the guy said he was. And so, I mean, he he was used quite well in this show. So, if you haven't seen Layla perform, this is an interesting um, an example of the work of this character, of this of this personality, of this artist. Hmm. So I think we agree. That's really interesting. The, uh, the 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 preamble, I guess. Yes. The the stuff in the tent. I missed all that because I was chatting with someone in the other corner of the tent. There you go. And, See, uh, <laughs> gotta pay attention there, the festival sailor. director. You know, come on. Lucy taps me on the shoulder and says, Steve, are you not supposed to go in and see that show? It's about to close. I was like, oh, and yeah, I ran exactly. and I just made it. Yeah, no, so. no, no, that was wonderful. I, I kind of regret I missed that And part. waiting for other shows yeah. while the lineup, uh, uh, the, the lineup for Layla is in the stanchions, yeah. you see her doing the same thing yeah. with other examples of her shows in which she, for every one of the shows in the, at the factory she, uh, and part of this next stage, she does get in line. She does take selfies. She does do all of that stuff. And she chats up everybody and then goes into the, we follow her into the theater. Well, with the thaw and the weather over the next week, because, you know, the past week was bitterly cold. Yeah. But now maybe more people will be hanging out outside the tent or mm-hmm. on the streets. Sure. Maybe we'll start seeing more next stage performers going out and trying to, you know, emulate Layla and, you know, convince people to come into the maybe. theater. Well, and uh, although, uh, obviously, I keep my, my views impartial about all, all the theater goings on, yeah. um, something that I would point out uh, that... I guess I can plug, yeah. despite my impartiality, is of um, one of the great joys of both uh, the Fringe Festival and Next Stage is the tent, because yeah. often you do get performers coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen a number of spontaneous performances from a lot of uh, different groups, uh, whether they're in the Fringe or not, mm-hmm. in the Fringe tent, uh, and also as a puppeteer, I've been guilty of those myself. Mm-hmm. And so it really, I find, uh, is one of the great benefits of a festival like Next Stage or Fringe is that the gaps in between the shows are filled with interesting content that you can engage with or not. So to Steve's point, if you're off in the corner having a good chat, yeah. that can still happen until Lucy taps you on the shoulder and yeah. tells you to get in the theater. Get into the theater because they're about but, to close um, doors. It's, uh, it's definitely something worth, uh, worth noting as part of the experience of these festivals is you're not just sort of popping in, seeing a show and popping out. You're getting a chance to really kind of uh, soak in the atmosphere of performers, whether that's performers just coming off a show or, as is the case with... Layla performing for you before their show, and also, mm-hmm. I mean, tip of the hat for the extra performance, yeah, yeah. time and energy that yeah. takes. So, yeah, advertising too. So next up, we have uh, the play "Rumspringer Break" by Maragon Productions. Uh, Lynn, what did you think? Hi. I enjoyed this enormously. This is a show that you're thinking, are you kidding me? A show about two Amish young women who want to go, they are sisters, 
One is Ruth, who is a little bit clingy to her sister, Hannah. Hannah wants to go on something called Rum Spring a Break, which is a break between winter and summer, um, at which you can go and explore the world before you're baptized into the church and become a member of the company. So she decides she's going to go to the big city and visit a cousin who has invited her. And uh, the, the her sister Ruth wants to go with her as well. And so the two sisters set off. They go to the big city. The cousin is nowhere to be seen. He's gone to Florida. And so the two sisters decide that they're going to stay and depend on the kindness of strangers to take them in. Thank you, Tennessee Williams. And take them in and see what happens. Unfortunately, they're not, because they're so innocent, these lovely women, they don't realize that they're in a seedy part of town, that the people that they want to take in, take them in are drug dealers. Uh, uh, Ruth is wonderful with plants, and one of the drug dealers has this pl- several of these plants that he's growing because, you know, he's a horticulturalist. And so she, Ruth, tries to bring these wonderful plants back to life. And she does without, of course, not realizing that they are what they are. And it's a musical. <laughs> I ask you, it is charming, funny, beautifully written, beautifully written, beautifully directed. Again, Steve Gallagher does double duty. Mm. He did a birthday balloon. He did this. I bet, you know, I'm sure he made the cookies in the tent, but I, who knows? You couldn't have two more different productions. You can't have two more different productions. Uh, I love the music, melodic. um, Lyrics were very intelligent, clever. They set up the whole scene. They set up the beginning of it. I love the the journey of the two sisters and how one becomes empowered and the other realizes that her sister is not such a a clinger after all. And I thought it had a wonderful charm to it. I use that word a lot. But there was so much to to like about it. It was um, it was guileless in a way. People's lives were changed all through it. So I, I enjoyed it enormously. And uh, Steve, what did you think about it? Yeah, no, I liked it a lot, too. I liked it a lot. Yeah. It's, um, um, a pro- the production has its origins in the Canadian Theatre Music Project, uh, mm. as did Come From Away. At, so, at, at Sheridan. At yes, Sheridan. Sheridan. Yes, yep. Sheridan. exactly. University. So uh, it's sort of moving along the pipeline from there, and this is the first, uh, the, although it's had a couple of public workshops, this is the first production. And uh, although it's still a little rough around the edges, it shows a lot of potential. Um, as with Book of Mormon, um, it, it it pokes a lot of fun at the Amish culture, but it's also respectful. Um, these these aren't. It's uh, yeah, it's respectful of Amish culture, and there's some really interesting references in there. And uh, even though it's profane at times, and it's uh, uh, deliciously dirty in some ways, it's still um, it's still respectful. Um, I would say as a, you know, impartial critic. Uh, yeah, and also the book and the lyrics by um, uh, Matt Murphy, sorry, Matt Murray and Colleen Dauncey, and uh, lyrics by Akiva Romer-Segal, uh, respectively. Um, they're great. They're really great. Um, I think that if shepherded properly, uh, the, this uh, has the potential to go on and be, I don't know, maybe not the next Book of Mormon, but maybe the next year in town. We'll see. And uh, audiences at the next stage 
certainly seem to agree because this show is consistently for the past few days selling out. So even though it's in the large main space theater, so get your tickets now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so next up we have That F Word by Samal Tans Productions. Right, yes, That F Word. Um, so traditionally at Next Stage, there has always been uh, a comedy show, uh, there's also been a dance show, just because they want some variety in the festival programming. And so this is the dance show in the festival. Uh, Samuel Tans is that F word. And the F word they're referring to is uh, feminism. Um, it's an all-female uh, troupe, all-female uh, cast, cast of dancers. Dan- dance yeah. group. Yes, dance yeah. group. Um, and... Uh, so the dances that they're performing are all sort of around the ideas of uh, equality and uh, feminism and uh, female empowerment, and um, there's some there's some good there's some great ideas in the dance, and the dance itself was I am it is a weak spot for me uh, as a critic uh, reviewing dance because I haven't studied much since I took ballet and modern in high school so. <laughs> Um, but I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed some of the ideas, particularly the uh, references and the audio clips of Nicki Minaj and the, the tributes that the dancers did in one of the numbers. Um, so, yeah, cool. I, I, I'm giving it a lukewarm recommendation. Certainly, if you enjoy uh, modern dance, I think that you'll find something to love in this. And it's a young... Uh, and engaging company. I don't know, Lynn. Lynn, what did you think? I loved it. I okay. thought it was. I thought it was so fascinating. They have. Um, uh, they cover um, the the whole sense of fem- female empowerment, of um, body image, of uh, how you should dress, how society looks at you because of the way you dress, that kind of business. Half of the Half of the cast wore dresses. The other half wore pants or looked like they would be playing men. And to and one of the images that absolutely stunned me was that a man and a woman were sitting, were standing side by side, and somebody came bearing a uh, tray with two glasses of water. The full glass of water was given to the man. And the other glass of water, which was half full, for me it's half full, it could be half empty, half full was given to the woman. Half full or yeah. half empty or even less than that. And the implication was so resounding. It was perfect. And the woman looks at it. And you you have these reactions when they are in, in, the, in the presence of the male characters that it was resounding, and certainly what's going on in our lives today, in our world today, I thought that was terrifically done, really well done. I love the dancing. I'm not gifted in dancing. I, yeah. I, I don't, you know, what do I look like? I'm a dancer. No, but but the the energy, the muscularity of it was fascinating, and certainly what they were saying was clear. Whether you were adept at dancing, whether you knew dancing, or whether you just were coming to it to see and experience a new 
art form. I thought it was terrific. So um, blew me away. Steve, with, with that in mind, um, yeah. what did you feel about the, or did you clock as you were watching uh, the moments that Lynn or Lynn is referring to that weren't necessarily dance but were. Uh, almost more theatrical in their stages. Yes. Okay. So I just found my notes. I saw this last night, and uh, yeah, I already mentioned the Nicki Minaj, thing, yeah, yeah. which was great. Um, very interesting. They included that. There was a uh, section of the show where uh, some of the dancers come out in swimsuits, and I'm pretty sure it was a reference to Donald Trump. Mm. So yeah, it's very topical. There's also the body image uh, section that Lynn's talking about. All the dancers were dancing with uh, razors in their hand. To I'm your Venus. So, oh wow! Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So yeah. There was some. There was some interesting theatricality in there, and yeah, it's certainly very topical given the climate and what happened on the Golden Globes last night. We're going to cover that a little bit more when we talk about the production. The next two, yeah. Now the next one, the one after that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get into that then. But, Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, that is that F word. Today's episode is brought to you by Brick and Mortar. Brick and Mortar Toronto began in 2012 with the aim to provide clean, beautiful, and affordable creative space to artists, regardless of their experience level or financial situation. Co-founded by local actors and producers Casey Dunn and Vicky Velanosi, Brick and Mortar currently runs four studios across three locations spread across downtown Toronto. You can book space at The Attic, The Box, or The Commons for as low as $17 an hour. To book your space or to learn more, visit www.brickandmortartoronto.com. Thanks, Brick and Mortar. You guys are awesome. All right, which brings us to Swordplay by Sex T-Rex. So, uh, Steve, what did you think? Oh, I loved it. I I am a big fan of this company. They do... Uh, uh, there, is very, there is not enough comedic play or comedic theater that happens in Toronto. There's too much of a disconnect, and I, I harp on this on length and a half for years. There's too much of a disconnect between the comedy and the theater scenes in uh, this city because they are both doing some great work and there should be more of it uh, cross-pollinating. And uh, Sex T-Rex, which I know it's a ridiculous name for a company, but um, they specialize in these wonderfully kinetic and very uh, visually inventive and you know bare-bones stagings that incorporate elements of uh, gaming and you know 80s movies and pop culture and uh, but they do so within the framework of writing these great stories they tell great stories and swordplay which i've previously reviewed at past fringes and i've given it five stars before uh, it's still a five star show for me and you know the, although we're supposed to be in, impartial but i would say this is my favorite show at the festival uh, very quickly, yeah, yeah, Lynn's... Lynn, no, Lynn, no, 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 okay. that's fine, that's fine. Very quickly, it's, it, it uh, starts out with an uh, uh, introduction that is a very reminiscent of the beginning of The Princess Bride, and then we start to see the story, as it were, the main story of this uh, video game, this uh, old-school classic arcade game. So there are segments in the show where the actors are representing a side-scrolling adventure. And it's it's all, you know, they use, like, little cardboard cutouts, and it's wonderful. It's it's howlingly funny. Um, it's very charismatic and com- funny comedic performances. And um, unlike Rumspringa, I don't think Swordplay is selling out, and I think that's a travesty. Everyone should go see this show. Even though there's a couple of cuss words, um, I do think it can be fun for the whole family. And uh, Lynn, what did you think? There are a couple of cuss words. I wouldn't. I heard no cuss words. Really? No, oh, okay. Uh, just uh, slip by. I, it, uh, a romp, fun, it, 
they uh, they are a terrific company, very physical, very inventive. They have dragons created out of out of uh, swaths of, of silk material. They have sword fighting. They've got damsels in distress. They've got fire. They've got people dying and coming back, etc. Uh, I thought every part of it was so inventive, so clever, so really, really funny. And, and uh, a friend of mine was was there uh, in the audience, and she loved it. And she said at the end, she said, this is the silliest thing I have seen in a long time. God bless them. And that's just perfect. They are a wonderful company. Yeah. The, the uh, production... Uh, their company, Sex T Rex, you know, a prude, maybe might like me, possibly not, would say, "Oh, don't bother me. You gotta, you gotta get over that and go and see them. They are such fun. It's done with such joy and imagination and energy. How can you not love these people?" And to, to Steve's point, they've been touring for a long time. They've done swordplay, and uh, it's been in the Fringe Festival. It, it's done. The, uh, they toured Canada last year, and I'm always really happy to hear that there's still that joy and there's still that energy in a show that's been remounted that many times. Because yeah. I think we've all seen enough, usually late run musicals on one of the big stages where you're like, oh, they're they're done. But I'm very glad to hear that that oh, was your yeah, experience. They're still hitting it with that much energy. And I want to point out that this is an extended edition of the show. If you've seen it before, there is new material because they got a longer time slot for this festival. So even if you've seen it again, you should absolutely go see it again. I think this is my fourth time seeing the show in a different iteration. And uh, I'll, I, I can I can live with the fact that we didn't convince you uh, on improv, Lynn, but I'm really glad I got you convinced on this company. <laughs> I, and I've seen this before in another iteration as well. Yeah. And I, I loved it. I loved it. Yes. Yes. Great, great fun. Great yeah. fun. Excellent. So that is Swordplay. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to the final uh, play that we'll be covering in our coverage of the Next Stage Theatre Festival, which is Jono by Rabbit in a Hat Productions. So, Lynn, what did you think? I thought that it uh, tried very, very hard to be relevant with a a certain situation, a certain uh, uh, case that happened in the last few years, and I thought it fell flat. So the case, of course, is the Gian Gomeshi uh, case, the uh, sexual harassment case, sexual battery case, etc. And it starts off with a silhouette of a uh, radio personality in silhouette, in shadow, saying, why, hello there, happy Wednesday. And so anybody in the free world in Canada would know who that was. And so the guy continues on and he's interviewing a woman who is a musician, etc. And you see him interacting after afterwards with various women. And you see him then go into the uh, behavior that you saw Gian Gameshi do. He's kissing the women, he starts to choke them, he hits them, etc. And then we have various people from the network that he's doing these shows the show for coming and asking him questions and it 
goes off into various tangents of the women trying to decide why this guy acts the way he does. It's it's like pop culture. And I'm thinking, I want a better frame of reference than some twit uh, who doesn't appear to know much about psychology or neuroses or anything else. And instead of, say, asking the guy... The guy, by the way, has a great relationship with his long-eared donkey uh, puppet toy. So you want to know, why do you do this behavior? No woman has asked him, why are you choking me? Why are you hitting me in the face if you are trying to say that we could have a life together. Nobody asks this guy. So I think they're skirting the issue. They're trying to be relevant and they're failing, which is unfortunate. You know, that's heartbreaking in a way because a lot, this is a, this is a huge issue and there have been other plays of late that, that cover this. And so this I found was a disappointment. Jono is the name of the guy that's his name, his first name, and I thought that they—I thought it was—they did not uh, succeed in in proving their case to me. And uh, Steve, what did you think? Yeah, no, I I agree with Lynn in pretty much all respects on the show. It, it was just—it's—it was too on the nose. Uh, the details of the Gomeshi uh, case, like all the stuff that was out in the media that everyone knows about the, you know. Uh, the stuffed animal and uh, how he acted on his dates. Uh, all of those details are in the play. The only thing changed is the names. Uh, there's a little bit of wish fulfillment. It's not entirely without merit. There's a little bit of wish fulfillment where one character uh, confronts Jono uh, and says, I won't be the one to expose you, but someone will. And telling him how he is, you know, um, just wrecked her life. Um, and there's also uh, some halfway decent scenes where the uh, victims, sorry, survivors, let's be clear on that, the survivors get together over wine and discuss their uh, myriad reactions to how the media is portraying the case and how they reacted to their tra- traumatizing experiences. But for the most part, I, yeah, it just didn't approach it with any uh, subtlety or nuance. It told the and the company appeared, um, so as part of the festival, there were also these talks called Urgent Exchanges uh, that were hosted by Generator. And um, the company of Jono appeared at the Urgent Exchange this past weekend entitled Am I a Monster? Uh, which was fascinating and interesting, and some of the panelists talked about things such as the importance of uh, intimacy direction or intimacy coaching, which, based on the news that we've had in the past week with Salt Pepper and Albert Schultz, I think is absolutely vital and something we should be talking about. Also about the importance of bystander intervention. Um, yeah, but the, this company appeared and spoke specifically about trigger warnings and uh, how for this show, and this is important to point out because there is a lot of material in this, some very disturbing staging that will bother people, that it is possible to leave the theater and then return up to the balcony to watch as much of the show as you are willing to watch. Which, you know, that I think that is an interesting development and a, and a good way of dealing with um, material that some people may find traumatizing and triggering. But when you're using this material, I think you really have to have 
very clear intentions as to what you want to do, and I don't think that this show communicates those intentions clearly enough beyond just retelling the details of the Gomeshi case. I don't think it was that well directed either. Uh, mm. You can talk about intimacy, the intimacy uh, scenes, and some scenes are going to be disturbing. Says who? You or the audience? And if somebody has gone through this, you think they're going to go and see your show? Are you kidding me? Wishful thinking, in a way. I think that's those are trigger comments trying to elevate the incendiary aspect of something that might not be there and 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 is not is not properly presented. Hmm. I thought that was a little bit cheap, that comment. I thought, come on, what are we talking about, the Holy Grail here? You've got a play that's not good enough. Next. Yeah. I will say that I don't think the, I don't see the play as exploitive, Mm -hmm. but I just don't think that it accomplished what it set out to do. And uh, there have been certainly better plays staged more recent, in mm-hmm. recently in Toronto mm-hmm. that have tackled this sort of subject matter with more nuance and depth. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't think I can recommend this one. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of our coverage of the Next Stage Theatre Festival. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us uh, on our first two episodes. Our next episode will be up in a couple of weeks' time. Um, what will we be covering then? Yeah, we'll be covering some of the new remounts, such as uh, Mustard up at the Tarragon Theatre, and also the Wedding Party at Crow's Theatre, mm-hmm. and also uh, the Shakespeare's, right, Lynn? King Lear yeah. is going to be done by Groundling. With a female Lear. With, yes. uh, with uh, Shauna McKenna as mm-hmm. uh, King Lear. She scares me anyway. To, you know. um, <laughs> formidable. Formidable woman. Formidable actress. Just terrific. And um, Hamlet? Hamlet is yeah. opening uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, Hamlet is opening on Wednesday. I will see my funny Valentine at uh, Buddies and Bad Times Theater by yeah. Dave DeVoe. Uh, I saw this play when it, uh, a, a bit of this play when it was done at Summerworks. It's a fantastic play. It's about that case in which a young teenage boy in the States asked another boy to be his Valentine, mm. and the person asked came to school the next day and shot him in the face and he died on Valentine's Day. And Dave DeVoe has written this play about this incident and I'm really looking forward to that. And, so, uh, Steve, what are you looking forward to this week? Oh, uh, well, I think I, I just mentioned those, like all the shows that we, we just mentioned. Yeah, it, I think it's worth pointing out that although Lynn and I will see the majority of the plays... Uh, we'll both see them and we'll discuss them. On occasion, one of us will see a couple that the other may not see. So we'll still do uh, capsule reviews of those plays on the podcast and maybe be able to talk about uh, things from a more macro perspective about those plays. I also want to do very quickly shout out a couple of comedy shows. We're not going to be reviewing comedy on the podcast, but I we will occasionally mention them. Um, because comedy is usually going to be one night only. Uh, this Friday, Anna Simone... George's uh, Shade Show, which is celebrating its anniversary, moves to the Royal Cinema, uh, has a really good bill headlined, I believe, by Chateau Amrostica. That's going to be a great show. And uh, 
of course, there's a lot of great comedy that's happening in Next Stage, which we've spent the last two episodes discussing, too. Yeah, so on that note, uh, the Next Stage Festival uh, is still running until the end of the week, I believe. 14th. Yeah, until Sunday. Yep, until 14th. Sunday. So, mm-hmm. uh, as, uh, as has been mentioned, uh, some of the shows are starting to sell out, um, but a lot of tickets still available. You can buy those online. You can also go to the tent uh, and purchase your tickets there. But definitely worth checking them out, and uh, certainly a great way to see a bunch of different shows all at once, similar to Fringe. It's a sort of a, almost a Netflix approach. You've got a bunch of different stuff all available to you all at once, and you can grab whatever you like. Yeah, the Antichamber shows are half an hour each. The main stage and studio shows run between 60 minutes and 75. So you can easily see in an afternoon or evening three shows and really you know, enjoy yourself. So, thank you so much again for joining us for our first two uh, episodes. You can find uh, Lynn Slotkin at The Slotkin Letter. Uh, you can also listen to her weekly from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., on CIUT Friday morning, 89.5 FM. And Steve Fisher, uh, you can read his Winter Picks for Comedy coming up in Now Magazine. You can also find him at gracingthestage.ca. Once again, my name is Tom McGee, and thanks again to Brick and Mortar for helping bring this podcast to you. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Good night. Good night. night. This has been Slotkin and Fisher at the Theatre. Today's episode was hosted, produced, and edited by me, Tom McGee, a Wahoppin Media production. Find out more at wahoppin.ca. Thanks for listening.